Hello everybody, I'm Matt Micucci and you are listening to the Jazzy's Podcast. Jazz is online editor Matt Micucci here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz Is Podcast, and is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Today's episode of the Jazz Is Podcast is a conversation with Indian-born pianist and composer Charu Suri. The artist's recently released fourth album as a leader, evocatively titled Rags and Ragas, is an ambitious blend of Indian ragas and New Orleans-style ragtime and jazz, which makes for a fine and unique showcase of what she has come to define as jazz raga, which she talks more about in this podcast conversation, on which we are also joined by one of the album's co-producers and arrangers, Brent Fisher. Lots to talk about when it comes to this fascinating project, the great musicians that it features, including drum legend Joe Lasty, and the cultural aspects that define it. So let's get to it. Fire up on Audio Teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Charu and Brent. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Thank you so much. Really thrilled to be here. Thank you. It's kind of a tradition for this podcast series to begin with a little icebreaker. And I would love to ask you guys the very same question or uh, th- that I like to begin my podcast with. And it's just if you could uh, sort of share with us a memory from early life or childhood, you know, that when you think back, you realize maybe that's when I awakened to the beauty and power of music. And maybe that also is when I started thinking that I'd like to become a musician when I grew up. Is there a, a moment like that that you could share with us? Absolutely. So when I was a, a child, I grew up, I was born in India, but I later emigrated to Africa where my father was the CEO of a record label. So we would listen to vinyl every single day from the age of five and I would play the piano. And I remember him coming home with an incredible vinyl. I'd never heard of this composer before. He put it on and I was transfixed. And I said, this is like the most incredible music I've ever heard. And it, it, it turned out to be a vinyl of Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, subsequently followed by Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. So we listened to all sorts of genres. And in that particular moment, it was the most magical moment I I remember as a child. And I said, if anyone can make music like this, that person must be divine. And that spurred my lifelong love for creation and music and music appreciation in general. 
I grew up in the Hollywood Hills. I was born and raised here in Los Angeles. And uh, my earliest memories are of lying underneath the family grand piano with my dog, maybe one and a half or two years old, listening to my father, noted keyboardist and, and also Grammy winning uh, producer, composer, arranger, Dr. Claire Fisher. I would listen to him play, practice, compose, arrange, all those things, do his warm-up exercises. Um, he would play a, a lot of those uh, Chopin etudes and, and Bach etudes as well. So I, I had a, a, a very, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I guess music was my first language, even before mm -hmm. I could speak English. That's what I knew. And as a matter of fact, all my father's friends were musicians I started working professionally at age 15. By the time I realized that there were other professions out there, it was already too late. <laughs> you know, we're here to also talk about rags and, and ragas. And I, I'd love to know uh, when you guys first met and uh, the beginning of your collaboration together. Absolutely. So I uh, grew up as a classically trained concert pianist. So when I was seven, I was, as Brent was saying, playing everything from Mozart's Conchetti to the Chopin Scherzi. I didn't really understand the language of jazz until fairly recently, um, four years ago to be specific, when I visited New Orleans for the first time and listened to a concert given by Preservation Hall Jazz Band. And that was the other pivotal moment that really changed my life. And then I realized I wanted to get into the jazz world as a composer, but not just play or do the standards, but want to bring my heritage into the language of jazz. And there was no other heritage that I really knew than the ragas growing up, because that's what my dad would play every single morning. Apart from the, the greats, we would listen to all the different ragas, which are modal scales from India. And I grew up with morning ragas, late morning ragas, evening ragas, night ragas. So that's how my whole thinking of raga jazz evolved. Uh, and my first album wasn't exactly very much raga jazz as it is with this recent record. I think this stylistically is the most significant, um, you know, work that I have done in that raga jazz vein. And so I composed all of this and I, I met Brent through the Recording Academy. We are both members of the Recording Academy. And the first time I heard his work was two years ago when he was sending me, um, for your listening pleasure, uh, pictures at an exhibition, which is a piece I had played, you know, at Infinitum in college. That was my final college concert was Mazorsky's pictures at an exhibition. So I knew the score like the back of my hand. And then Brent had arranged it masterfully for orchestra. And it caught my attention. And I said, this is almost like hearing Ravel's arrangement, but in Brent's own style and his voice. And I was immediately taken with his work. And last year I attended a, a, a live performance given by his band in, in California. And then I asked him to be a collaborator for one of the ragas of this new album that I recorded with also with John Patitucci, uh, Steve Gadd, and Joe Lasty from Preservation Hall. I felt Brent's arrangements would really, really complemented the ragas, and I was absolutely correct. So that's how 
our collaboration was born. And Brent, I would love to know also from your experience of working on this this uh, record. It must have been quite exciting uh, because, you know, this this meeting of uh, jazz and ragas or uh, raga jazz, in fact, is quite yeah. unique. Yeah, this this is um, it's one of those things that if you just say it to somebody, I'm going to mix jazz with Indian raga classical music. I, I'm going to do that. And if you, I, I think if you just say it to somebody without any preface, you might get a, a, a look of, well, okay, I'll, I'll hear it when I, you know, I'll believe it when I hear it. But, <laughs> um, but you know, and, and I mean, it was, it was kind of the same thing for me doing pictures at an exhibition because now there had been big band versions of pictures at an exhibition before, but it was, they were very jazzified. And my idea was to kind of keep the, the uh, classical part intact while maintaining a, uh, you know, a big band aesthetic. And, and that's exactly what Charu has done here is she's kept the essence of these Indian modal scales or ragas intact in their place and put them into a jazz framework. And when she first, she first sent me a bunch of uh, tracks that they had already made, just, just with her and uh, John and Joe. And uh, I, I just, you know, I just loved it all. And uh, we talked about what she was doing. And I, I thought it was, this was something that, uh, you know, it's, it's always great when you come up with a wild and crazy idea but it has to work musically too, right? And everything I heard was absolutely in service to the music and in service to creativity and high quality. And so I thought this was, this was great. Let's, let's dive right in. It sounds really exciting. Uh, but, you know, uh, Charu, I wanted to ask you something that's going to sound ridiculously like a, sim a simple question, almost a bit too broad. But I, I love for these podcasts to also be a way for listeners who are not familiar with specific traditions and heritage to kind of learn about them. And having listened to your record and uh, also your previous ones, I know that when we talk about the ragas, perhaps people have some uh, general idea of what it entails. But here, you know, you refer to evening ragas, morning uh, ragas, uh, ragas from different areas, different regions. So uh, for you personally, if you were to maybe just talk about what raga music is to somebody who, who knows very little about it, what is it? How would you go about doing that? Uh, it's a great question. It's a question I get asked all the time. What is a raga? I so I actually made a video recently called What is Raga Jazz? Explaining what is a raga and what does raga jazz mean? A raga is a modal scale, and I'd love to be able to play some on the piano too if it translates well. Um, a raga is a modal scale, just like C major or F major or G major. We're used to studying music with a Western scale mindset, which is how a lot of people learn music. The Indian singer or the instrumentalist, either from South India, which is Carnatic, or North India with this Hindustani, will learn modal scales. And modal scales are different from the traditional tonal scales in that, that they may not use 
all the notes in the ascending or all the notes in the descending. Some of them may be different. So, for example, for the raga, the Bhupali raga, which um, Brent arranged, which is an evening raga, I wrote out the scale in the beginning and I gave it to him that's on top of the lead sheet. So people can realize when they're using that particular raga to improvise to stick as much as possible with that scale. And what it does, and I was very skeptical about this in the beginning, even as a child growing up, is really capture a certain energy and an aura and an essence. And there are certain, for lack of a better word, licks or phrases in that raga that are quintessentially that raga. So if you have, say, Charu Kesi Raga, which sounds... So it's like equal parts, major and minor, and there's a certain phrase that if any Indian or, you know, Asian concert goer goes and hears this Raga, that's the phrase that they want to hear. It's the fifth flat sixth and then the octave that's the phrase that defines the raga it's one of the signatures of the raga and i use that consciously in that piece the french quarter i think it's called and so what ends up happening is there are certain signatures and you don't have quite a similar thing in a scale, in Western scale, but you do have it in jazz. You have jazz licks, you have jazz patterns, you have jazz phrases that are quintessentially that belong to that particular song. So the ragas have a lot of layers to them that defines that essence of that raga. So I've taken my learnings from growing up learning the ragas, and there's so many. Each one has its own emphasized notes, own licks and phrases and turns, and try to incorporate them into jazz. I hope that's helpful somewhere to, to give you a perspective. Yeah, and I was, uh, I was that, that's a great explanation, by the way, for, uh, for the uninitiated. I, I was fortunate to be able to uh, not only study when I was um, uh, getting my university degree, I, I was able to study music from a lot of different countries and cultures, but I was able to actually play with a lot of different musicians um, thanks to so many of them emigrating here to Los Angeles, uh, or, or I'd run into them in New York and you know Chicago and London. Uh, I, I would run into these people everywhere that had um, set up a music community as part of their ethnic heritage, and I would get a chance to listen. And so I, I was really happy to be able to put, not that I'm any expert on Indian classical music, but I, was, I, I knew enough about it so that I was able to put that into practice here when I was uh, looking at, you know, making a deep study of what Charu had done so that then I could add my part with the orchestra. And it really shows, and I am still learning. These are centuries old traditions and I still take lessons. I take jazz lessons and I take raga lessons so that I make sure, because I was classically trained, uh, I make sure that I really want to do justice to both the genres so that it sounds seamless. In the end. And you've done that. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much. That that means a lot. It is a lot of work and a lot of. Uh, I, I just want to add one more thing about the ragas. Sure. India's um, musical traditions are melodic traditions. So when you go to a concert and you listen, you're going to hear the rhythm, of course. You're going to have the percussion, either the tabla or in the South India, we call the drum mridangam. You're going to have the percussion, so the rhythm is there. Then you're going to have the melody. What is missing is the harmonic component. That's the aspect that I'm bringing in with the jazz, the different harmonies, the chord changes. A lot of my chord changes are pretty safe. They're pretty classical, but I'm getting more out there, more experimental as my albums evolve. But that's the thinking. So when I play a raga that's harmonized and jazzified, for lack of a better word, to someone who has been trained in the Indian classical tradition, they're like, wait a minute, I hear the raga, and then I don't. And I'm like, yeah, because you hear the chords with it and the movement. The track you are hearing is from Charu Suri's new album, Rags and Ragas, available now. We will resume our conversation with Charu and Brent in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz A's, jazzaise.com and these Jazz A's podcasts. Go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now, back to our conversation with Charu Suri and Brent Fisher. And I, I was also wondering uh, whether you see this as being an important, you know, to have a, yeah, an important cultural significance as well, because when we think about it, it's also a meeting of cultures too. Absolutely. I think it's it's really a fantastic way for people to get introduced to the ragas. The younger generation, when I did a tour in India, they were fascinated. They themselves did not study the ragas as extensively as I had done. And a lot of the kids are playing, uh, you know, the standards, they know the songbook style, but they never actually learned Indian music, even the kids in India or the young young jazzers in India. So they were absolutely fascinated. I was a little bit nervous trying to tell them what they already know, really, right? Because it's like, you know, this is your own tradition. Here I am doing a jazz version of the ragas uh, in front of them. But they responded so beautifully. And in fact, the, the feedback I got was, this is very accessible, this style makes the ragas that usually are found in like Indian classical concert halls accessible to a different demographic. So in that way, that's the feedback I've been getting is like it opens, you know, the ragas to different um, listeners. Yeah. And I I like to think of it as um, a beautiful, intricate well, usually I refer to sonic architecture and like, you know, the, the average listener can, uh, if you're talking about like general architecture, you can walk on the street and you see a building 
and you said, ah, wow, that's a beautiful architecture there. I, I love to look at that building. And then if you're more interested, you can go inside and you can admire how the building is constructed. And if you were, you know, if you have an engineering degree, maybe you knock on the wall and you say, oh, wow, this, this uh, sounds like they've got this type of uh, wood that they use or whatever. You can get really detailed into it, but it's still beautiful just to that person who knows nothing about architecture. And so it's the same with sonic architecture, where in this case, I, I like to think of it uh, almost as a tapestry that has got all these elements woven into it uh, from all around the world, essentially, because there mm -hmm. is the, you know, there's the Indian element, definitely. There's the, uh, the African element from uh, New Orleans. There's the, the European element from, let's say, the, the types of harmonies that yes. uh, eventually led to the development of jazz, uh, you know, from uh, from the first jazz people a hundred years ago, um, listening to all the orchestral composers of the day, and uh, and, and so it's 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 really a, a worldwide tapestry here, and um, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really happy with the the way it came together, especially since we had a lot of producers on this album, and but but it. It was a case of a lot of chefs in the kitchen, but not too many. You know the old phrase, too many chefs in the kitchen? That didn't happen here. Everybody was on the same page. Um, there, there wasn't any, you know, people, people had uh, kind of autonomy to do their thing when it was time for them to do their thing. And also people uh, came together and worked as a whole when it was time to do that. And so uh, I, I was very happy at the whole procedure of putting this together again completely thinking about what's in service to the creative vision of charu suri and what's in service to music and creativity in general that's a so beautifully put yes and brent is a co-producer on on this album um and and that's a beautiful comment about the global influences because joe lasty from Preservation Hall. He's been with Preservation Hall for over 30 years. Wow. I, I, it's, it's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend. It's yeah. just uh, doesn't get better than Joe. He uh, played on my last record, Ragas and Waltzes, and a lot of the critics, when they reviewed the album, they said, that's a mighty fine New Orleans waltz here, <laughs> which is uh, which is ironic because when I was talking to Joe, uh, they do second line. They do two, four, you know, <laughs> three, four, and some of the odd meters are just not in their repertoire. But he he managed to put that, that New Orleans flavor in pretty much everything he did, and he did that with this album as well. Yeah, it's amazing to have him uh, on the record. He's he's a legend. Uh, you've got some really great musicians on it as well. Uh, we talked about Joe Patitucci and um, and yeah, Steve Gadd too. Uh, so there's some oh, great Steve. people. <laughs> but Steve Gadd uh, opens the album with the drumming of uh, Bourbon Street Stroll, and uh, that's the most groovy seven eight, which is an Indian tala. We call it Rupa Katala. That's the most groovy seven eight of that tala I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's, it was great. Yeah, so I, I was wondering now that the album is out, wh what's uh, the plan? Is there a plan to, to take it out there uh, on the road and uh, or to continue pursuing this vision? Because of course, you know, Ragga Jazz, you, you said that you continue learning Charu and it's a it's an ongoing process of evolution. And I wondered whether what, what, what the future holds for Ragga Jazz. 
Absolutely. We are going to get take it on the road. We've gotten a lot of requests from uh, listeners to say, when, when is the concert scheduled for this? Uh, and we're debuting it in a way live at the Clive Davis Theater next month um, in L.A., October 8th. And we have some concerts in New York. But more importantly, towards the end of the uh, year uh, concert schedule that we're working on for India, the Caribbean. Uh, we have Birdland booked next year uh, to to showcase the album, and you know, pretty much jazz clubs uh, throughout the country and and the world. And we want to also be in Europe, so we're put working to put a big um, Rags and Ragas lineup, um, which will be out soon. Because uh, and of course, I'm probably going to stick with this subgenre for a while. Because uh, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface in terms of, you know, the possibilities. There's over 500 ragas. I think there's a lot of possibilities with this. And the reception and the feedback has been quite amazing. So, yes to all of the above. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us. It's been a really fascinating conversation. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt, for having us on Jazzes. enjoyed our conversation with Charu Suri and Brent Fisher and I remind you that Rags and Ragas is available now and I suggest checking it out for sure. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz Ace Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And as music from Rags and Ragas plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Ace podcasts, our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzes.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon. Mm-hmm.